Different colleges may have slightly different course requirements for students who apply for admission directly from high school. For example, here in California, universities that are part of the California State University system, as is the case with California State University Los Angeles, or those that are part of the University of California system, including UCLA and other highly selective schools such as Stanford University, all require that a different amount of high school courses be taken and successfully passed for a high school applicant to be considered for admission. Because of that, it is important for high school students to map their high school courses properly since early in high school. And don't worry, the fact that we talk about schools in California doesn't mean that this information doesn't apply to you if you are outside of California. Most states and all schools have very similar requirements. That's what we will talk about today. Let's get started. Welcome to the College Metropolis Podcast. This is where parents of high school kids learn how to engage, guide, and empower their kids as they go through the college admissions process. And now your hosts, a college admissions pro and a college professor, Hankel and Anthony David. Before we begin, we would like to ask you a question. Did you already subscribe to the podcast? If you haven't, please take a moment to click on the subscribe button on the platform you use to download this episode. Subscribing ensures that you'll stay up to date on new episodes. It also helps our show be found more easily by other people who may not be aware of it. You can also help our show greatly by letting other parents know about us and by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any other platform you may have used to listen to the podcast. Your review will let those platforms know we are providing valuable content and it will help others find us more easily. Thank you. I'm very happy about this episode because this is one of those episodes that will play a big role in letting parents know the, 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 the pitfalls of a college admissions process that is not done properly. And what we're going to talk about today is the importance of mapping the right courses throughout high school or listing the, the right courses to, for a student to take in the freshman year, sophomore year, junior and senior years. And uh, that's very important. The worst thing that could happen to a high school kid is to find out in the senior year that there was a course they, they should have taken to be considered for admission into a, the college or university he or she wants to get into and to find out very late that they can't be considered for admission because they don't meet the admission requirements. Specifically, they didn't take a course that they were supposed to take. So here's the thing, and I think this is really important. For a lot of schools, for a lot of high schools, especially public high schools, the conversation about applying to college or university doesn't begin until the junior year, junior, senior year. And that's how they've been doing it because the, the resources are such and they're so little that they could only afford to begin talking about college in the junior and senior year. That doesn't mean that there isn't uh, some other counselor that is giving them classes 
But today you are going to see how for some universities, especially those highly selective colleges and universities, they will ask you for specific courses. And some of those courses are required that other courses were taken before. So these courses are sequential, right? So for a student to take the course that those universities required, they were supposed to have taken another course in the, uh, prior to taking that course. And then before taking that other course, they were supposed to have taken another course. Right. So if they didn't do that and they find out about this very late, then, well, they're going to miss out. So, yeah, it is true that there's a lot that goes on in the junior year, right? That's when students take the SATs, the ACTs. And yes, they could take it again in the senior year. But usually that process begins in the junior year. And, and yes, it is true that you know the application pro the application itself gets sent in early in the senior year but the reality of things especially when applying to those colleges or universities that are highly selective the college preparation process begins early in high school when we look at the college application we realize very quickly that it centers on your kids academic record in other words it centers in their intellectual muscle. I know that's a, that's a funny term, but it really is. And what those colleges want to see is your kid's ability to take courses that are very challenging and to do well in them. And so this is very important to remember, especially if the plan your kid has is to apply to one of the more selective schools. As we have said in the past, those universities and colleges want to make sure that when, when your kid goes into them as a student, that they're able to take a full load of courses and to do well in them, to be at home in, in that type of uh, scenario, right? So here's the thing. There are five core areas of courses that are part of the college track in high school. These are courses that are part of the college track, and these are courses in math, science, English, social studies, and foreign language. So those are the five core types of courses that your kid is going to be taking throughout high school to be able to meet the requirements for colleges and universities. However, keep in mind, and we're going to talk about some of those in this episode, keep in mind that different schools may have different course requirements. Right. And knowing that college is the goal, right, to get them your child into college, all students must do the following since early in high school. And most importantly, this is, this is critical because this is part of the formula that you can control as a parent and as a, and as a child themselves. One is, uh, not one, but <laughs> the most important would be select the courses that will be required by colleges. And very importantly, the colleges that they will be applying to. So making a list of the colleges they want to get into is huge. And if you can do it early on, it's better because you can look up all the information you're going to need. What do they want from me? What, what measure, how, how great do I have to perform in these classes to make sure that my requirement is met when they're looking at me as an applicant? Yeah, sure. In, in, a, in the college application, right, they are going to be asked for a lot of things. On this episode, we're just focusing on the courses that are going to be 
part presented as part of the transcript, Correct. the high school transcript. Correct. So, for example, in California, there are slightly different requirements for simply graduating from high school. The minimum, minimum, again, minimum, there are many others that you'll have to take, but minimum is 13 courses. All right. So, you have to consider, again, differences in applying to a state school in the in the California State University system. And we're using California again, just as an example. Yeah. But they apply nationwide. And applying to a University of California system school. And what are the requirements, for example, for a Stanford University, which is a highly selective private school? So there are differences. And you're going to see correlation between minimum requirements for some schools that have, again, specific criteria that is required for admission. And if they are more selective, you're going to see that the requirements expected Absolutely. are higher. Absolutely. So let's take a quick look at the five core requirements now for each of these type of schools. And again, we're doing it to differentiate so that you understand there's a there's a, an understanding of of what is required and why. Yes, at different types of schools. So we have again. So this is the this is the logic from from the the least the least tough requirements rigorous, to the the, the the least rigorous to the most rigorous. We have at the very top the requirements to simply graduate from high school. There is such a thing as graduating from high school and not be ready to transfer to a four year college or university. You to could gain graduate. Acceptance yeah, exactly. You could graduate from high school and not be ready for college. That's crazy to me. But it is that's that's the but truth. That's the way it is. I because just to graduate from high school, you could take a number of courses and we're going to list them here. But they will still be lacking necessary courses that the four-year universities and colleges will require. Now, we're going to talk today about state schools. So, in the state of California, which is where we are and I know uh, a lot of you guys, we have a great audience in Michigan, in the state of Washington, in Pennsylvania, and throughout the whole country, really, and in other countries, right? But in terms of the United States, you will have, in every state, you do have state, state universities and colleges. So in California, we have two systems of universities and colleges. Let's just say universities, because they are universities. We have the California State University system schools, and they are le less selective than the University of California schools. So on one hand, the least selective are California state schools, as for example, California State University Los Angeles, much more selective, UC system schools, including UCLA. That's the difference. Very, 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 uh, the, the difference is, is huge. And then way, 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 way more selective, we have something like Stanford University, which we're example. using, again, as an example of a highly selective school. So let's take a look at the requirements, what they would want to see in the transcripts of a high school student who is applying for admission at each of these schools. So why don't you begin with the requirements to simply graduate from high school? So if someone... Their only goal is to graduate from high school, and they are not on a college track. So no, they're not college-bound just to graduate from high school. Correct. Again, these are minimum requirements. In California. In California, the state of California. 
Um, and we're going to give this to you in number of years in high school. So it's easier to understand. We're not going to break it down by semesters or no. by this or that. No, it's just total total yeah. years that you would need to take these type of courses in high school. So for social sciences, meaning history, things like that, three years. Three years. All right. You have English. You have three years. Math, including algebra, algebra one, you have two years. You have sciences, two years, foreign language or visual performing arts or career technical education, one year, and then you have physical education, two years. Yeah, if so, you do that, which is a total of... 13 courses, minimum courses. Then you graduate from high school. Correct. You could graduate from high school. Now, you're going to see in a little bit that that in no way, shape, or form allows you to be ready to transfer to a four-year college or university. You could get your high school diploma and you could gain admission into a community college where you could continue preparing so that then, as part of a transfer program, you could apply and get into a four-year college or university, but straight from high school, just by doing that, it is not enough. Right. So just to, to recap, so that will be three years of social sciences. So that is your history. Perhaps you could take economics, those kinds of classes. Then you have your English, your literature, all that stuff. Math, including Algebra 1, which is pretty low. Yes. Pretty low. Uh, pretty basic math. Pretty basic math. Science, two years. It doesn't specify whether it's with labs or not. So uh, I'm not sure, but I, uh, it doesn't say. And then foreign language or visual, art, visual performing arts or career technical education, one year. That's pretty, that's pretty vague, right? And then two years of physical education. Now, you, you, know, you know that a lot of kids could take other classes. Maybe they could take other classes they feel like taking, but the, that, that minimum 13 courses is what allows a person to graduate from right. high school. Because when you think about it, when you have your kid in high school, they're taking anywhere between five and seven periods, right. which are five and seven courses a yeah. year. Correct. So let's get into now the admission to, again, we're going from least selective to more selective. So now let's get into the Cal State University system requirements. This is what they expect to see in the transcripts of a high school student who is applying for admissions. And so they have what are called A through G course list requirements or AG course list requirements. And what it means is they have listed all the courses and they've listed it from A through G. So A... Areas, they, uh, different a areas. So you have... Exactly, seven areas. A, history and social science. They want kids to have taken two years of courses. B, English courses, four years required. C, mathematics, three years required. D, sciences, two years required. E, language other than English, two years required. F, visual performing arts, one year required. And G, college preparatory electives, one year required. Okay, and I'm going to take a moment and just compare to what we just discussed, right? You have your 13 minimum courses to graduate high school. Minimum, again. So what does that do? For example, as a minimum... It's interesting because here you have social sciences to graduate high school. You have to take three years. When, when a Cal State University 
system is looking at you as an applicant, they want to see two years. Okay, that's interesting. What about English, right? We said that it, for high school, minimum requirement for graduation is three years. When a Cal State system is looking at your child, they're not looking for three years. They're looking for four years in English. Mm -hmm. Okay, same with math. For basic, simple graduation requirements, two years. And then at a Cal State system, they're looking for three years. For science, two years for minimum graduation. And uh, for Cal State admission, you would look again for two years. Um, let's talk about language other than English, which, you know, as uh, this depends who's doing what, what classes are we taking? Do, does it have to be continuous in the same language or not? No, we don't know. Do, it right? doesn't. It doesn't say that it has to be in the same language. It just has to be a language other than English. Two years. Two years. Okay. So you could take, for example, French one year, right? So French and you take like basic French. Mm -hmm. And then the next year you could take basic something else. Japanese. Right. So you did your two years, right? right? When we get into more selective schools, we're oh, going to see that there's a difference, there's right? A big so difference. I, we just want to highlight that there's additional requirements if you want to get into college, yeah. into a Cal State system. And not only additional requirements, but in the highly selective schools, there are additional requirements and they have, they're very demanding. They expect for those courses to to present not just high grades, but to have excelled in those courses. Right. But anyways, we're still in Cal State. So the final tally of the courses that are required for admission in the, into the Cal State University system is 15 courses. Minimum. Minimum. So not the 13 in, that, that a, a, a person would need to graduate from high school, but 15. Right. Right. So now you're starting to see that to apply to a university the the requirements are different to, than just to simply graduate from high school. Now let's look at another school system that is a little bit more selective, actually a lot more selective. The UC system school. So again, UCLA, UC San Diego, UC Berkeley, UC Santa Barbara. There are they they are part of this of this system. So in terms of history and social science, they also require two years. English, they require four years. Mathematics, they require three years. But check this out. They say four years recommended. Hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. UCLA, for example, is the one school in the whole country that, that gets the, more, the most applications. When they say recommended... They mean... <laughs> they mean you better have four years, Yeah. right? I mean, there are kids that maybe they don't take the, they, they take the three years, not the four recommended, but they are so excellent in other areas that the school needs during that particular year of uh, that they're admitting students. But if they say recommended, make sure that, that you have that which they quote unquote recommend. recommend. Science, two years required, three years recommended. Language other than English, two years required, three years recommended. Right. Visual performing arts, one year required, and college preparatory elective, one year required. And again, if, if you're, put yourself in the shoes of these schools, right? If I am a Cal State school and I take a lot of applications and I take in a lot of students, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a little bit more than just a high school 
minimum requirements set, right? But if I'm a UC school and I need to be a little more selective, I'm going to ensure that the students that are coming into my system have that rigor, have that commitment, have that discipline that shows on that transcript because they went above and beyond just the electives and they took another math class. They took another science class. They took another foreign language. They t- so that shows me that there's genuine interest in learning and not just I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants and kind of graduate high school. So even though you can take PE for like 27 units of electives, I'm just kidding. That's just a random number. <laughs> and the rest is just my 13 minute. I rec- I, sure, I graduate now, but I don't have the academic meat in my yeah. brain that's going to help me be successful yeah. in my college. You're not showing your intellectual muscle. My muscle is weak. Yeah, muscle is <laughs> so, weak. In fact, I, I I will make the case that you do not have that muscle. <laughs> I mean, if you took a bunch of PE classes, or a whole, uh, and or, there's nothing. Listen, there's nothing wrong. But if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna be a PE major, then you excel in those PE classes, and you excel in the sciences, and you excel in the thing. If that's what you want to do in college. Right. But you have to consider. And this is so this discussion here helps you as a parent and you as a as a kid, if you're listening to to us as well, why it is so important to map the right courses, not just not just listen, when I I'm going to tell you my personal experience, when I left eighth grade, they literally sat down with every student for about six or seven minutes. And they said, you're going to take this, 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 this. Great. Goodbye. And so yeah. I got into high school with, yeah, I, I walked out for my summer break after eighth grade with a schedule in high school. I had no idea I could, there was even a counselor. Okay. So what happens at this point is I'm, I'm a freshman and I took whatever classes they gave me. Right. And I just, I took it. I did well, sure. Then at the end of my freshman year, I met with my counselor, who I didn't know the whole year, and they assigned me classes. I had no input because mm-hmm. I didn't know the value of mapping out my right courses. Right. Of course, I wasn't at a point in my life to know what I wanted to do post high school. I, I just didn't even know college was an option for me. And I don't think your kids are in that position because you're listening to the podcast, Correct. trying to learn. So we're trying to to widen your your knowledge of the little details that require that are required to perform well in high school, but do it the right way and not waste time and not find yourself in a uh-oh moment when you're a senior. Exactly. In high Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to be there. Now, here's the good news. We're going to tell you towards the end of our little spiel here, we're going to tell you that we don't mean, we, we, we're not saying that you have to become a high school guidance counselor. No. And know what classes your kid has to take. The point of this episode is to tell you, number one, that there are different tracks for different universities and colleges. Knowing what college your kid wants to get into, you will talk to your high school guidance counselor, right? And you're going to let that counselor know what your kid's plans are. And that counselor is going to make sure that your kid gets the classes that your kid needs. That's the point to this. And especially with this next 
discussion here. Yeah. What about, okay, so we talked about Cal State schools. They have additional requirements in just the minimum. Then you have your UC system, which is recommending me for me to take more years of specific areas. Now, what happens if I want to get into an even more selective school? Yes, let's talk about one of the most selective schools in the state of California, and that is our beloved Stanford University. And I'm being physicians, but I I do like Stanford, and it is the most highly selective. Um, And I I went to Stanford as a visitor. I visited Stanford. (laughs) I was waiting for it. (laughs) I visited but yeah, I actually, believe it or not, when I when I was done with my bachelor's, I looked at several schools. What I wanted to do was get into the MBA, uh, no, it, it was the JD slash MBA program. And I looked at several schools and Stanford was one of them. And I had an incredibly good chance of getting in there. And also I looked at other schools like Pepperdine and USC And before I started getting into the process of applying and everything else, the dean at the school that I attended for my bachelor's degree, he sat with me and said, Anthony, what are your plans? And I told him, and I said, and then he said, "Uh, well, how about I tell you I take off one third of your tuition and you continue your education here? And I said, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I took my MBA courses and my love and passion for marketing and uh, business and marketing kind of grew. And, you know, I sort of, that's where I stayed. So otherwise, I would have gone to become not just a person with some education in business, but also in law. Nice. And I am so glad I didn't do that because the plan would have been for me to become a business attorney. And I could tell you right now, I love them. I love what they do. I have an admiration for them. But it's not what you But it's not me. And you know me better than anybody, and you know that will not be me. All right, so let's talk about Stanford University. Let's talk about those core courses they want to see in the transcripts of a kid applying to Stanford. History and social sciences. They want to see three or more years. But check this out. The thing with Stanford and the thing with all these highly selective schools is that they're very specific. Yes. Look at this we took from their admissions page, and I will have links to all of this that we're discussing here on our show notes. So for history and social sciences, they want to see three or more years. So that, that's an additional, okay, year from the Cal State and the UC system. Which... Yeah, they require two years, right? right? So Stanford requires three years, and additionally, the courses you take should include the writing of essays. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you something. When I talk to my students in cla- in the classes I teach, I tell them, uh, you know, it's great that you guys learn math. And a lot of people, they get into, you know, they worry about math because usually, especially in our educational system, we make the mistake of focusing on the things that, that, that we are weak at, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm weak at math, where most people are weak in math, that's what I, that they focus on. Let they me become hours. Let me become the best become person at math that I could be. And that's good. However, they they forget about writing. And I'm telling you, I tell my students the one thing that you will need as a professional every day of your life in is every career. Your <laughs> ability in every career. In every career, in every profession is your ability to communicate, your ability to communicate in writing. 
orally, etc. But that whole thing of writing, boy, most people, and I am telling you as a professor, most people, most of my students are very poor writers. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised to see right. that Stanford is requiring three or more years. That's one more year than the Cal State or the UC system schools. But those courses should include the writing of essays. We're not even talking about English classes. <laughs> We're know. talking about history and social sciences. I know. I know. Right? And so what happens when a kid is in high school, doesn't know the requirements to Stanford and takes classes that don't require the writing of essays? Right. Right? And then they find this out as they're writing their application. I mean, let's hope they're fantastic in Yikes. another area, right? Yeah, but I, I feel for them. Yeah, and that's why it's important to know. But if you tell the high school guidance counselor, my, the plan for my kid is to apply to Stanford, then they would know what to do. Correct. Because they know these things that we're telling you guys. English, four years. They require four years of English with an emphasis on writing and literature. Mathematics, they require four years of math with a significant emphasis on fundamental math skills, algebra, trigonometry, plain solid, and analytic geometry. So those courses have to be part of those four years. In terms of sciences, they want three or more lab sciences, including biology, chemistry, and physics. Mm -hmm. Foreign language, three or more, check this out, of the same foreign language. So you need to be proficient That's in, correct. in that, in that in those language. choices, right? In those choices that you're making in high school, you need to stick with it with the same language for three or more years. That's it. So if you chose Japanese, if you chose Italian, if you chose Spanish, if you chose Mandarin, German, German, Mandarin, Portuguese, the same for those three or more years. So that brings you to a total required Again, minimum requirement to be considered for admission into a Stanford-type university, which is a selective, selective type highly university, selective. highly selective, is 17 or more. That's correct. Very demanding. So anyways, the, the point to this is uh, to know that there are different requirements, not, not because, uh, you know, don't think of four-year colleges and universities as this homogeneous type of organization that it's, you know, it's the same for all. It's not. It is not. So that's what we want to bring to you. So what we want to impress upon you is the need to communicate with that high school guidance counselor and let that person know the plans your kid has early on, the earlier, the better. The earlier, the better. It and doesn't hurt. As we said at the beginning of the episode, don't wait until the junior year, which is what, if, if your kid is going to public school, they probably won't begin talking about college. Seriously. Like in a serious way until, until the junior year. But by then. Let's hope it's kid, not too late because we, yeah. at that point, that's your third year. Your That's third your third year. year. And so where it says here, three or more years, what are you going to do if you've only done one? You can't so, see my face, but I'm frowning. I'm, oh, yeah, that, that, oh boy, I felt it. Mm -hmm. So to finish with this, remember also that some of these courses are sequential, right? Yes. Critical. This is critical. This is very critical because again, listen, let's go back to the requirements for Stanford in math. Four years, significant emphasis on the fundamental math skills, algebra, trigonometry, plain solid, and analytical geometry. 
Now, I'm not an expert in that area, but I, it sounds to me like some of those courses are yes. sequential. Of course, you have to take one before you have the knowledge to do yeah. the next. So, you know, uh, what if you your kid goes to the counselor and says, oh my gosh, I'm missing this course. And the counselor says, but you can't take it because you don't have that other course you were supposed to have taken in the past. Mm, that would right? hurt. Yeah. That's a, doesn't mean you can't go to college, it, but it could mean that you can't apply to the one you really want to go to. Yeah. Honestly, I would still apply. Yeah. And, but if, and if you're in a bind, you know, we're all about making sure your dreams come true. Yes. So you go to a community college and find a way to take a class. That yeah. In this, in this case, though, it will be more along the lines of you can't go to the highly selective one. Right. But, you know, as, as we push on this episode, on this, on this podcast, it's not about what school your kid goes to. It's about the, the end game, the final result, which is that transformation of your kid from a student into a professional. Right? And the experience throughout. That, that is correct. Right. Um, the importance of meeting with the guidance counselor early in high school. We keep harping at this only because it's something so simple yet so meaningful, right? So it's, the, the benefits are exponential if you do this early on. So students should meet with, with the academic advisor so they have a clear image of the courses they will be taking throughout high school as part of their college prep curriculum, right? Um, the courses should be mapped. Again, that beautiful word, mapped. They should be mapped out along the entire high school life. In other words, so the courses, make sure you know in the ninth grade, what courses you'll take ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th and 12th. You have a plan for your high school curriculum. And doing this early on in high school allows students to create as many course options as possible. And this allows you to know which electives you're going to take. How are you going to be a stronger candidate if you have all this played out in front of you early on? And remember that there are cumulative subjects, Again, like you said, it's important. We're, we're reiterating because it is important. So there's math, science, foreign language. You can't take Mandarin 2 without taking Mandarin 1. You just can't do that. Some courses have to be completed in order to move on to the next. But you can only find that out when you spend the time with, a, with, with your high school counselor to know where that road is going to lead you. Correct. For clarity. Exactly. And so, it, yeah, so yeah, again, uh, it's very important to have your, your courses mapped out so your kid doesn't fall behind. Also, so you could figure out what prerequisites are necessary uh, to take the courses you need to take, right? Falling behind is exactly what you don't want to do. And again, we want to remind you that the ninth and 10th grade are very important for the college admission process because you do start taking those classes in the ninth and 10th grade. Yeah. And, you know, I want to share something really quick. When you're applying into uh, to colleges throughout, be it private, be it highly selective, be it Cal State, be it whatever, they'll usually, for example, and again, this is in California, um, they have what is called a Cal Grant. And they'll tell you, the high school counselors will tell you, listen, your junior year is critical because schools are going to look for your financial aid. Your junior year GPA is very important because we submit it right after your junior year. We submit your GPA to verify that 
you are you qualify for Cal Grant A or B, and so all th- this that's for financial aid. Yes, yes, and this emphasis, and you feel my junior and senior year. Oh, those are the years I got to get serious. No, no, and again we say you have to plan. This is a planning game. This is organization game. This is, you know, you're in you're in the the ball game of planning and organization, and if you if you take advantage of those first two years being knowledgeable about what your kid kind of wants to do, even if they yes. don't have a 100% clear plan of what they want to do, but they they have an inclination. And you have to consider, are they going to go far away? Are they going to go to a different state? Are they going to stay home? Are they going to dorm? Are they those All those conversations are critical when you sit down and map out their high school experience. And the way to do it, again, we're reiterating, Meet with a high school counselor and make sure you know where they're going so you know what requirements you need to meet in that planning with the counselor. Now, this is another thing I wasn't planning to talk about, but let's also take into consideration that depending on the high school that your kids are attending, they are going to have different levels of support. So some high schools will, will give your kids a lot of support. Some high schools might not have the resources to give you a lot of support. So we have talked about on this podcast about the classes I have taught at different high schools as part of the college where I teach and as part of the dual enrollment program that is offered in those high schools. And so I've had a chance to interact with some of the high schools in in Los Angeles, and the levels are different. I mean, there are very little resources, and I could tell you that in those high schools that I have worked in through my college, those high school guidance counselors are superheroes to me. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I met one. Oh, my goodness. She was in charge of about 1,000 kids by herself. Incredible. By herself. So she was supposed to guide them through the college admissions process. That doesn't mean that... They didn't go through other, so they have different counselors. They have counselors for things that are, you know, more of the Personal. psychological areas and stuff. But those other counselors also put those kids into classes and they would put those kids on a college track. And then when those kids get to the 11th grade, they will deal with this counselor that will help them fill out their application and their financial aid and everything. But my, so with everything we've told you today, Imagine what happens when a kid, uh, you know, late in the sophomore year or early in the junior year decides, wow, I just found out about Stanford University. I might want to go there. Mm-hmm. So did they take the right courses or not? So what I'm saying to you as parents is, I don't know where you live or what the level of support your kids are going to have. This might mean that it is going to be on you to figure out what courses your kid is going to have to take. It's not... It doesn't hurt to have an extra set of eyes look at your kid's curriculum to make sure that they're on the right track. Yeah. And again, it may sound overwhelming with every detail of information we're giving you, but the more information you have and the more game plan actions you have, the more at ease you will feel because you're going to be prepared when you speak to your child, prepared when you speak with your uh your kid's high school advisor. So it, it may be overwhelming because the college admissions process, yes, it can be. But if you plan it and if you're asking the right questions and if you have the information in front of you, it 
it's going to be enjoyable because you know that in the end, the result is my kid is going to be a completely different person when he walks out of this experience. Right. And you're going to be part of that. Exactly. And also don't forget that it's absolutely okay for you to get in touch with the admissions officers at different universities or colleges. Now, here's the thing. Your kid hasn't even applied to these schools, but it's okay to call yes. and talk to them yes. and say, listen, my kid is now a freshman or a sophomore or whatever, whatever grade level in high school your kid is. It's perfectly okay to call those admissions officers and ask them questions. It's their okay. job to assist. There's no such thing as don't call them. They're too busy. No, you need to call them. At any time. At any time. Okay. They need to make time because the earlier they are impressed, uh, perhaps that's not the right word, but the earlier they are... Um, aware that you exist aware and their that kid you ex- will be applying. Correct. Then that's that's the best time because it's not so 18 wheelers coming at my face trying to figure out this college process. It's let's take it slow. One step at a time, the next step is this. And so they, they are happier to do it that way because it helps them prepare for your, uh, for your child's admission with time. And remember, it. this is a time game. This is a timing game. It's a deadline game. It's an it's a organization. So the more you offer a college admissions person your child's academic transcript, information, the more they walk with you, the more they know you, the more they, they know your needs the better it is for you as a parent because they do have answers. They do have answers and they have resources. Yeah. Very good. So, okay, so let's get back on track here. We're almost finished. I can't believe this. Also keep in mind, right? So again, just to recap a little bit, the ninth and 10th grade are very important because you are supposed to be taking some courses that will be crucial in your application. Also remember that the 11th grade is going to be very busy for your kid, for your child, preparing and taking the SAT, the ACT. So that's not the time to start figuring out what classes they, they were supposed to have taken. So the earlier you could begin that process, the better. And also keep in mind, especially when the plan is to apply to the more selective schools, remember that the goal is to enroll in different subjects in high school, subjects that are challenging to your kid, but not overwhelming. Yes. Let's not make their life a living... Craziness. A living craziness. Because <laughs> that's not fair to them either. Right. Let's do some takeaways, yeah? Let's do some takeaways. So right. what are takeaways? If you forget everything we said, don't forget these three things. <laughs> Number one, there is a huge value in meeting with your kid's high school advisor, high school counselor. Number two, be conscientious about your kid's college school choice the program of study, your kid's discipline, and your kid's intellectual muscle. Takeaway number three, it's never too early to plan your high school roadmap in terms of your courses for your final destination, your college destination. destination. Perfect. Can I tell you, I did, I made a mistake in uh, when I, this wasn't in high school because in high school I was a hot mess. I wasn't, man, I, I was borderline not even ready to graduate high school. My counselor had to come look for me and said, hey, man, you need to take these courses or else you won't graduate. Yikes. And I said, well, thanks so much for coming to me in the senior year and letting me know about this. <laughs> but in college, I was getting ready to, or I thought I was going to graduate, and I had everything lined up to graduate. 
because I always wanted to do things on my own. I was one of those kids that thought he was so smart, I didn't need the help of my, <laughs> ad, of my advisor. And so I, I, I listed my own courses and I took them to my advisor so, he, so my advisor could just sign off on what I wrote. And I knew how to sort of manipulate this one advisor I had. <laughs> well, I shot myself in the foot because I forget if it's early in the senior year or early in the junior year of college, Senior year. Somebody comes to you. It's one of the deans. They they the go through your graduation application. Exactly. To and that, yeah. <laughs> to make sure you're going to graduate. And he says, we got a problem, young man. You took English 111 and 113. You never took English 112. And I said, sir, I think you made a mistake. I remember vividly having taken English 112. And he says, it's not on your transcript. Well, it turns out I never took it. <laughs> but by but this vividly, time, <laughs> yes. But by this time, I was already a senior, so I'm and already in the twelfth grade, class. and that's a freshman class. And I said, "Okay, I'll take the class." And he says, "Well, son, that's against the rules. So to make up for this class that I didn't take in my freshman year of college, I had to take a class that was at a higher level than my current senior level." Right. And so the only class level. I could take was a master's level class. <laughs> so I sat there in a room with full of masters. In English. Uh, students who were doing their master's degree in literature. In literature. These were literature majors. Ay, ay, ay. So their discussions were way above my, my intellectual capacity. Your intellectual muscle. My intellectual muscle was very weak <laughs> in literature. As far as, you know, if you compared it to them, to sure. theirs. Sure. But I got to tell you, I discovered literature, fell in love with Hemingway mm -hmm. because it was American literature and uh, I don't regret it. But at the same time, I I can't believe I was so so dumb. Or so close so, to so not So dumb graduate. to not have followed, to not have heeded my advisors or not to have taken advantage of what my advisor could have offered me. Right. That was really, truly dumb. But anyways. But we're here today. Yeah. Hey, can I share something with you guys? Uh, this is good news. This is something that happened to me. This is personal, but I want to share it with you. So you guys are our college metropolis uh, family, and I want to share this with you because I'm extremely happy. A couple of years ago, they found that I had a, a brain lesion and a, a brain lesion. I, I didn't even know what this was. And so they said, hey, man, we need to check up on this because if we discover that you have more brain lesions, you might have multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. MS. And so they said, if you have any new symptoms, then we got to, we, we have to fast. start, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. we need to get you on a treatment plan. And guess what? This year, I mean, not even a couple of months ago, no. I think we were recording episode number nine mm -hmm. or eight when this started happening. All of a sudden, my leg went numb. My right leg went very numb. I couldn't feel it. And hot. And Weird. hot. And I, it felt tingly. And I went to my doctor and my, my primary care doctor felt he was... <laughs> his, he was stressed. They're not I supposed think. to show you any emotion, you know, like, like they're, they're scared for you. He looked at me and said, oh, man, this is not good. You need to get an MRI now. You need to get an MRI. And I'm going to schedule you an appointment to go see the neurologist. So I did that. Went to see the neurologist. The neurologist said, yep, it's not looking good. I'm going to schedule you for three MRIs. So now this, this it's all together four. Yeah. And, and 
yeah. schedule you to see a specialist in, in, in MS. Multiple sclerosis. So the, the one MS specialist was going to sit with me to give me my treatment plan for the rest of my life. And we walked into that appointment. To get my treatment plan. Right. Because as far as I was concerned, I had MS. And as far as and the I doctor was, was concerned, too. I was at peace with it, man. I said, you know, my my the the specialist, the the specialist, not not the MS specialist, but the neurologist. He told me he's. Oh, she told me she said, "Don't worry too much about it. MS treatments nowadays are so good that as long as you are participating in your treatment and you take your medicine and you know you're gonna be fine for the rest of your life. But you know you will have MS, and so." I was at peace with it. I said, okay, uh, as long as I'm still able to talk and I'm still able to do my podcast and teach my classes via Zoom or whatever, you know, I'll be fine, I yeah. think. Mm. We went to see the final specialist, the, the, the MS, the multiple sclerosis specialist. Yeah, this was and five days ago. This is five days ago. And we went to see him. And he looked at me and he had me do some some tests, right? He had me walk mm-hmm. in some weird way and touch my nose. It almost seemed like those tests people do when, when they're caught driving drunk. Oh, like, no. It was like that, basically. Touch your nose with your finger. So like a physical test. Then he looked at my brain, my MRIs and, and all that stuff. And he said to me, you know, I am looking at the MRI. I'm looking at you. I'm going to tell you this. Yes, your leg was numb. By the time I saw him, my leg was no longer numb. And he said, I know your leg was numb, but I could tell you it has nothing to do with multiple sclerosis because you don't have it. You don't have it. You don't qualify to as a person that even has the, the beginnings, uh, the, the you know early onset of multiple sclerosis. That's not you. I love and how so, you're sharing this story and we hear an ambulance. And an ambulance is going <laughs> oh, by. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so uh, we came out of that doctor's office. Uh, elated. Elated, yeah. And so anyways, I wanted to share that with you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of our family. And we, as always, promise you to bring you our best content. I can't say it enough, it is really important to map the right courses for the universities or colleges that your kids want to apply to and get into. There are plenty of resources available to you, and you could take advantage of those resources to make sure that your kid, or if you are a high school student yourself, so that you can have a successful college path. I hope you guys are doing well. As I like to say at the end of every episode, please do everything you can to stay safe. Thank you for listening to the College Metropolis podcast on collegemetropolis.com.